0: Hey everyone, Gil Gross here live post match Novak Djokovic versus Denis Shapovalov, Matteo Berrettini versus Hubert Hurkacz, Wimbledon 2021 semi-final. If you're not here for spoilers, we are live and they are coming, so get off the stream if you don't want any spoilers. The finals at Wimbledon 21 is set, Matteo Berrettini Will meet Novak Djokovic. It'll be Djokovic's thirtieth thirtieth Grand Slam final. It'll be Matteo Berrettini's first. Isn't that an absurd number? Thirty? I I heard that just after the match, and I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, that is, I could believe it. I mean, I get, I get it. But that's just, uh, that's a lot. Um, so. I'm going to go through both matches. Let's start with uh, with Novak. It is hot off the press. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. After I'm done going through the tactical keys of the match, I will get to your comments. Um, so that'll be the agenda. I'm also hoping to uh, to tweet this out as well. So if you could give me a moment to get that done. Appreciate it, guys. Alright, let's do it. Uh, I gotta start with clutch. Clutch, 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 clutch. How could you not start with, with that word? This was a classic example. This is the first of the three key deuce points. It's 5-4 in the first set, ladies and gentlemen. And Djokovic had been struggling with his groundstroke depth the entire set. It was really really rough. The balls just were landing short in the court and more on that later. But Novak is on the run hitting a forehand and finally really connects with a cross court forehand. And it's deep and it's hard. And what does Chapeau do? Yeah, it's a running forehand. Novak is off the court, but it's a really hard shot. And Shapovalov looks looks to take the backhand down the line. He misses it wide. It was not a good decision by Shapovalov. He should not have gone down the line. And that's what I talked about um, before the match. He needs to he needs to uh, develop his ability to acknowledge when Shap when Djokovic when his opponent has hit a really really good shot. Take in that data, and understand. Okay. I'm going to need to trade this ball instead of trying to build or finish. Shapovalov goes down the line. He misses. And then on at out break point, Shapovalov misses a backhand. It was an unforced error that he hit long. And Novak breaks to stay in the first set. Then they go to a tiebreak. It's a scratchy tiebreak. It is poor by both. Djokovic made some mistakes, but not as many as Shapovalov, plain and simple. And from that 5-all game... Dennis was very loose, was making much too, uh, way too many mistakes, and Djokovic still wasn't feeling it clearly. But when what is uh, if both players are playing their C game, let's just say, who is going to limit the mistakes? And ten out of ten times in that matchup, in this matchup, that is going to be Djokovic. Um, You know, tough drop shot by Shapovalov. Uh, at one love after Djokovic hit a very poor drop shot, but then one all in the tie break, first set, backhand unforced error. Uh two one. Djokovic hits a drop shot. Shapovalov is there, but does not do uh does not make the cross court slice on the backhand. Uh Djokovic double faults at three one. There's another mistake for Novak. Uh two three unforced error forehand middle of the court for Shapovalov. No pressure on that one. awesome backhand down the line. Slice approach by Djokovic. Perfectly placed. Excellent job by Novak at the 2-4 point. And Shapovalov misses the backhand pass. Then a backhand unforced error by Novak. Serve and volley by Djokovic at 5-3. Hits the volley winner. Gets to 3-6. And Shapovalov double faults away the set at 3-6. There is your uh, micro breakdown. Of the first set. The big points. Shapovalov making too many mistakes there. And Djokovic in some kind of way hunkering down. But his timing was not there in the first set. He was not getting returns in play. Off of Shapovalov's uh, first delivery. Which were bombs by the way. But just those key points. And Novak steals the first set. It felt like it was a bad sign. For Shapovalov to lose that first set. Because he was tremendous. Up until 5-4. And Djokovic was not even close to his best. And then we see in the second set, Djokovic beginning to get a read on what Shapovalov was doing on the serve. And Dennis was still making his first serve at a really high clip. And he went about three sets in a row here from the fifth set against Hachinov to the first and the second set against Djokovic where he was making close to about 70% of his first serve points. And in the second set... He was continuing his brutal tennis behind his first serve, which was really difficult for, for Djokovic to deal with, as it would be for any player in the world, with Shapovalov playing that level of first-strike aggression and landing 70% of his first serves. Uh, but then, um, in this second set, eventually at 5-all, deuce, or actually at 5-all, 30-all, um, so it's not deuce, so, scratch what I said before. At 30-all, um, Djokovic hits a very solid first-serve backhand return, and Shapovalov misses the first ball on a forehand unforced error, and then he double faults at 30-40, 5-all. The same thing will happen in the third set at deuce, at 5-all, where Shapovalov or, makes his first serve— but Djokovic hits a tremendous backhand return. And upon further review, it makes a lot of sense why Novak was choosing his spots and then able to sit on that backhand return and make tremendous returns in those key moments. Because Shapovalov was a little bit predictable on the deuce side, serving down the t, vast majority of the time. After the second set, it was 21 down the t. Two out wide, and I know he started to mix it up a little bit more uh, in the third set, but still uh, not quite enough. So the serve predictability, Djokovic starting to get on that serve. And by the way, the percentage dropped in the third set f- uh, for Shapovalov, and that's why Novak was able to get a much higher um, was able to get in much more of Shapovalov's service games in the third set. Um so Djokovic gets a read and a rhythm on the uh, on the return. I want to talk about how Novak copes with the timing issues nowadays. Very impressive how Novak is able to kind of just work through those difficult moments when he doesn't have the timing. He's not hitting with the depth, the aggression that he normally has. What are the things he goes to? Well, just like in the match against Marton Fucevic, he did a tremendous job controlling his backhand slice. That was a key. But more than anything, how about the serve and volley in the big moments? Uh, just really... Massive play for Novak, especially on the deuce side. He was serving wide on that side. And Chapeau normally doesn't hit cross court on that return. Normally it's either middle or line, as sometimes he catches it a little bit late on that backhand. So Novak serves wide, covers the backhand volley, volleys into the open court. He was 12 for 13 last I checked in the third set. On serve and volley points. This is a problem solver. This is a guy who figures out different ways to gain advantages when the meat and potatoes of, of his baseline game weren't really working. The forehand, the backhand, just when, when hitting over it, just didn't have really the timing that he's looking for until the third set. But even in the third set, he still didn't have the full baseline game because his aggression wasn't there, but he's still able to hunker down, hit with better depth, uh, use his tremendous movement and find those errors out of Shapovalov. It wasn't until the third set that Djokovic's rally ball depth was actually in a place uh, that was enough to bother Dennis Shapovalov to coax those uh, those poor shot selection errors, those bad kind of discipline errors. And not until the third set could Djokovic on a consistent basis bother Shapovalov's brutal, aggressive baseline game off the ground. Because in the first two sets, when the ball is landing short, that is not how you're going to get the errors out of Shapo. Um, obviously. Obviously, when the ball's landing short, uh, you're not going to get any any reward out of uh, out of Shapo's kind of aggressive mindset. It's actually going to be the correct shot selection for Dennis if the ball's going to land short. But um, I found Novak won the long rallies in this match throughout on shot tolerance and shot selection and just better consistency and I felt like Shapo's clock kind of went off in his head especially in the first um, in the at the end of the first set here where Novak still didn't have his best stuff. I felt the clock went off and Shapovalov just pressed a little bit as the rallies wore on and Djokovic is just so comfortable uh, just so comfortable in the long rallies and always has the proper shot selection. It doesn't matter how long they're played. Um, Chapo with super great serve plus one aggression throughout again. But of course that, that percentage is going to come back down to earth. And it finally didn't set three. Chapo made 59% of his first serves. It's going to happen eventually. You can't make 70% over and over and over again. And then when that happened... Uh, Novak did an interesting thing. He actually moved back on the second serve return and made sure to to make those balls and give Shapovalov actually extra time, give him time to think about it, uh, target that backhand, and just an unbelievable level of patience that Djokovic shows to keep plugging away and trusting that the unforced errors are going to come. Again, Novak's timing was not good enough to, to play the offensive tennis that he really wants to play. And that's why um, he didn't hit a lot of winners from the baseline. His winners came at the net. At the net, 28 for 33. Again, resourcefulness by Novak is just second to none. Uh, Novak hits, 50, uh, hits 33 winners, but I bet about 20 of them were from the net. I bet many of them were uh, using the drop shot, although he didn't use it too, too often. But look at the unforced error count. Shapo 36, Djokovic 15, and I'll tell you what, in the first set, a lot of those unforced errors must have been in the first set. Yeah, eight of them in the first set. This kind of reminded me, and I'm curious to know if you guys agree, this kind of reminded me of the 2019 Wimbledon final. Uh, Between Djokovic and Federer. But, 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 but. Federer was much more clutch and played at a higher level as Shapovalov. But just when it comes to Novak, under pressure, consistently, withstanding that pressure, keeping the ball in the court, defending, trusting that the errors are going to come, believing in his depth, And in the biggest and most important moments, finding those returns and winning the key points. In that respect, I thought it was a very 2019 final-like performance from Novak Djokovic. Um, So, of course, we can circle back. We can talk more about this match um, after I'm done. After I'm um, done talking about the Herkacz-Barrettini semifinal... And, and then we can circle back and I can answer some of your, your questions and comments on this uh, Djokovic-Shapovalov semifinal. Again, Novak threw in straight sets over a Denis Shapovalov, who came in with a good mindset. And was willing to take his cuts and wouldn't shy away. But just made some crucial mistakes in the key moments. And Djokovic got better and better as the match got on, went on. Extremely clutch. Extremely resourceful. Serve volleys. Net plays. Slice backhands. Drop shots. Finally gets the depth and the defense rolling in the third set. Great patience there. Interesting return strategy. The serve got better as the match um, continued and uh, Djokovic comes through it is the 30th slam final for novak Djokovic on sunday where he will meet matteo berrettini who defeated hubert Herkoc in three in four sets rather earlier today 6-3 6-love 6-7 6-4 lots to get into this one it was a little bit more of a uh, th- this match was was interesting i will tell you um, obviously, Berrettini, the better player, probably in all four sets. Uh, clearly, things that coming into the match, I thought might be the case, that ended up um, that ended up playing out very, very differently. Particularly, the returns in play percentage, which was absolute domination, not even a contest, one-way traffic for Matteo Berrettini who on his serve continuously continuously got free point after free point after free point and it was nothing like that on Hubert Hurkacz's serve um look Berrettini's serve is bigger on average it is better on average uh, but Hercoc's return has not looked so overmatched all tournament long, including in his match against Daniil Medvedev, where, yes, he he did struggle to create break opportunities, but it wasn't this bad. Uh, Mateo with a, an incredible level when it comes to his unreturned percentage. Now, unfortunately, to my dismay, I can't stand it, but I don't see these stats on the official Wimbledon website. So I have to go to the broadcast, um, but I don't have the end of match stats. Here's what I have. Here's what I have for you. Uh, Berrettini, midway through, I believe, the uh, the third set, was at 58% serves unreturned. Hubert Hurkacz was at 19%. And for the tournament, 47%. So Berrettini... Who's known for his serving, not really his returning, although his he does get returns in play, and I've you know he should always get credit for that. He does, um, but Berrettini only uh, or gets back about eighty percent of Herkoc's serves in play. Where for the tournament, most of Herkoc's opponents were getting about fifty percent back, thirty percent difference there, absolutely enormous, and it was from. From the very start, it was going to be an uphill battle for Hubert Hurkacz if the serve return battle was going to be that lopsided when it comes to just returns in play, if it was going to be that lopsided in favor of the Italian I do have a super chat, so let's get to this. Tibor says, how much impact has the 2-0 head-to-head lead Djokovic has on Berrettini in the Wimbledon final? I think close to zero. I see Novak as the favorite. Your thoughts? Um, Yeah, I don't think the head-to-head plays too much of a factor here, um, but I think it might be 3-love. Uh, didn't they play—no, you're right, it is 2-love. So they played one time um, ATP finals indoor courts at the 0-2. And Berrettini got absolutely smoked. Uh, I think he won less than two games in both uh, in both sets. And then, obviously, we have Roland Garros' final. Um, I don't think that—I think the surface is so different. I, I just—yeah, I, I think Berrettini, first of all, mentally, is really, really great. Um, and I'll get to that a little bit later. And I think he's going to swing away and play his game no matter what. Um, in terms of Djokovic, I don't think the head-to-head will will really have much of a much of an effect when it comes to his confidence and the way he's playing. Novak, to me, in terms of mental, he's going to be battling himself and he's going to be battling the pressure of trying to equal 20 Grand Slams. In my opinion, that is Novak's mental battle. It's not going to be if if Novak's confidence. You know, obviously, it's not going to be an issue. I don't think he gains much of an edge over the 2 the 2-love head-to-head. Um, yeah, you know, head-to-head is probably a little bit overrated unless you pl- get to maybe four matches, five matches. Uh, but really, it's one match because 2019 was a long time ago. You have the recent match at the French, but that's clay and this is grass. Um, so let's continue here. Returns in play is what I just covered, dominated by Berrettini. But now I want to go to set one, because set one is where this match turned. An emotional turning point, and Herkoc went away for over an hour because of how important this this turning point was. Herkoc, this was a very close match, first five games, and Berrettini is serving at 2-3, and Herkoc gets... Two break points. It's a long deuce game. I'm counting one, two, three, four deuce games. Uh, four deuce points here at 2-3. And there's a couple of break points. Um, let's see. One break point. Maybe only one break point, actually, if I'm looking at my notes. But on um, on add-out, uh, Berrettini serves to the T on the, remember, the ad side, and Herkacz was there and missed the return, and he was upset that he missed the return. But then Deuce, service winner. Um, Add in, serve plus forehand error. Deuce, ace, add in, service winner. And if you just look at how that game played out, 30-all, service winner. Um, There were so many occasions in this 2-3 game where Herkacz did not get Berrettini's serve back in play. And so many chances were erased because of that. And I think that resulted in a lot of mental stress and pressure for Hubert Herkacz, realizing at 2-3 that it was going to be a challenge to get Berrettini's serve back. And in the next game at 3-all, Matteo breaks. And it starts at love-all. Where Hercoc has an overhead. And Berrettini hits the most gorgeous, incredible, running, forehand, cross-court pass off of an overhead by Hercoc. Gets a love 15 lead in that game. And ends up breaking. Um, That just took all the air out of the tires for Hercoc. It was the combination, I think, in that moment. Love All, again, an emotional shift here. Between not converting on the break points. And then Berrettini hitting this very energizing. Winning that that energizing incredible highlight reel point. I think the emotion on the court flipped. And it was a very important moment in my opinion in the match. Because from that point on Berrettini won the next 11 games. And Herkacz mentally was gone. He was totally gone. Uh, Again, I think a lot of it is the pressure that Berrettini's serve puts on the opponents. Uh, It is a little bit demoralizing, in my opinion. And I think, you know, obviously the moment has a lot to do with it. But what Herkoc did from a technical perspective was he began pressing from the back of the court and trying to do way too much on his serve, making unforced errors from the baseline. And there's no reason for him to do that. That's not his game. Uh, Hercot should be should be playing rather safe from the baseline, working the point, working the point, uh, looking for his moments to come to net on on the approach shot, and just kind of playing a little bit safer to the Berrettini backhand if he can. Uh, but what happened is he lost every ounce of confidence in his forehand. In that stretch of eleven games, he he couldn't hit a forehand to save himself. He, he just, that was not, it was hard to watch. And, you know, Berrettini was just cruising through his service games, getting returns in play, and Herkacz wasn't finding the court um, behind his serve in that stretch. So now let's skip ahead to the third set, because at this point we're 6-3, 6-love, runaway train for Berrettini. And in the third set, Herkacz left the court, went emergency toilet as we see players often do and it helped them and by the way it's fair i'm not trying to throw shade don't nobody get mad at me it's totally fair i would do the same thing at least if i if i were out there and i had just lost 11 games in a row i would take a bathroom break you bet i would so no shade whatsoever on my part Um, In the third set, Hercotch did what he needs to do. He dialed it back. He played with patience until there was a chance to get in on Berrettini's backhand. Go to the backhand, come forward to the net. And by the way, um, interesting insight I heard a little bit earlier from James Blake, who uh, was coaching Hubert Hercotch for a little bit. And um, his plan, the plan for him was to, when they played in Miami and Hercotch won in straight sets, the plan was to hit to the backhand, come in. And that was beautifully executed, really, in the third set, especially on the service games where he could actually get into the points. And he got those approach shots. He got those serve volley opportunities. Uh, He played really well at the net in the the third set, um, 13 for 20. Actually, percentage-wise, it wasn't great, but at least he got there 20 times. Compared to the second set, he got there four times. And the first set he got there 13 times. Isn't it isn't that amazing with Herkoc? The more he gets up there, just the better he plays. Um, set four, he down to six, by the way. So that's not great. But set three was the was the the set that he was really getting in there on Mateo's backhand. And it was very, very um successful. So still Berrettini cruising through his service games. Remember, Herkoch isn't returning his serve. So that's like a, a theme throughout. It gets to the tie break. And here's the exception to what I just said. Love all third set tie break. Boom. Best return of the match by her on the first serve that set the tone for the breaker. And then maybe a little bit of nerves got to the Italian here because uh, it was not a great tie break. That's for sure. Um, some second serve returns in the net. Uh, the first double fault, I believe. Did he double fault? No, that was serving for the match. Never mind. Um, but but yeah, loose. Uh, e- oh, easy forehand volley miss at love three. Easy. Shocked he missed it. Um, not not a good tie break by Mateo. But again, I think that first point set the tone. And uh, Hercoc does enough here. Also gets his, his serve firing a little bit more. Gets some free points himself, I'd say. Um, and wins the tiebreak. Uh, Herkacz has been exceptional in tiebreaks all year long, which has been uh pretty interesting to see. So another tiebreak win for uh for Herkacz, and he wins the third set. Then um in the fourth set, it's kind of back to business, and here's where the mental aspect comes in for Matteo Berrettini, and I want to just. Can I take a moment to appreciate how incredible Berrettini's mental game is? I think that I did that. I think I've done that maybe two rounds in a row here talking about Berrettini. This guy's bulletproof. Like all the credit in the world to to his mental game. Somehow, these are the two adjectives that come to mind. Composed and fiery. And the weird thing about those two adjectives is they're both good. You want to be both. But normally, they don't go together. Normally, you're either like... Fiery and off the wall and all over the place and up and down. Like, I don't know, like Sabalenka, right? Fiery, fiery, but also up and down and up and down. Um, or you're composed and you're not very fiery. Let's see, what's a good example? I don't know. Bjorn Boric, composed, not fiery, right? Uh, somehow, Berrettini's kind of both. It's It's pretty miraculous in my opinion. And what he said after losing the third set was no panic. I feel like I'm the better player. Let's stay positive. Let's stay with it. And there was no letdown at the beginning of the fourth set. It was just back to business. And he gets the break right away, first game of the fourth set. So it was a letdown from Herkacz after winning the third set. And I just think that's, that's tremendous mental from, from Berrettini. And that is what his opponent didn't do In the previous round, when Felix played a great third set, a good third set at least, let's not exaggerate, but when Felix played better than Mateo for most of the third set and lost the third set, remember what I talked about? Felix got super negative. Oh, I lost the set. I can't believe it. This is awful. This is terrible. I'm going to panic. No, you had a good level and you played better. So stay positive. Berrettini did that. His opponent in the previous round couldn't. Not to pick on Felix, but that's what happened. Um, So just to kind of illustrate how I thought that was interesting, it happened two matches in a row, but the opposite dynamic there. Uh, Two more tactical things I want to talk about, and then I will get to your comments. Um, The first thing is um, the second serve from Berrettini. He had a fantastic plan on his second serve. And for the match, he won 61%. What do you, what do you think he did? Herkoc is up on the baseline, playing really close, wanting to take the second serve return early. And Herkoch is between six foot five and six foot six and has really long arms. Berrettini goes, All right, do you know what I'm gonna do? Body serve. Body serve, body serve, body serve, body serve, and went to it consistently, relentlessly. And it was such a good plan, such a good plan. Now it doesn't hurt to hit the second serve 105 miles per hour, which is what Berrettini does. And if you're going to hit the body serve and it's slow, doesn't really work. Really difficult serve to uh, to hit well if it's if it's slow. But um, Berrettini executed that to a T, and I was just really impressed with that. Clear thinking to me—that's either coaching. Maybe Matteo came up with it himself, but to me, that's just fantastic coaching. Be or Berrettini, uh, fantastic game planning because clearly that was the plan coming in, and he just stuck with it. And it was such a great way to hit the second serve. The sec, the the last thing tactically is Berrettini's backhand slice. Uh, I thought it created tons of discomfort for Hubert Hurkacz. I really think that. It was difficult for for Hubie to handle. The way he generally responded to it was run around and hit a forehand. And he was very uncomfortable often just hitting that kind of inside out, run around forehand trade. And remember, inside out, that's back cross court, trying to get it back to the uh, the Hercot or excuse me, the Berrettini backhand. But it was just uncomfortable for him to try to run around on a grass court with that slice uh, kind of cutting through the court. First of all, a lot of the time, he didn't get around it in time with his footwork. And then I think the second problem was that it was so low along the court that it was hard to get his feet in the right position and execute the shot at the same time. Now, we've talked about with Berrettini and Fucevic and Federer even, we've talked about, well, what do you do against someone who slices cross-court short? And mainly, what I've been saying is you slice cross-court back. The problem with with doing that against Berrettini is his forehand, and especially his run-around forehand, is so scary that you really don't want to slice cross-court and give that kind of extra time, that floating ball, Because obviously the slice is a slower shot. You don't want to give extra time for Berrettini to run around and hit the inside in or the inside out forehand. But I thought there were many times in this match where Herkac would run around off of the cross court slice, hit an uncomfortable looking forehand, which sometimes missed inside in, missed inside out, missed wide, trying to get it to the backhand, or sometimes was too central and then... Well, he just took himself out of position because now he's on the backhand side of the court and he's way out of position and Berrettini oftentimes with his forehand can try to attack the next ball with Herkoc having poor poor uh, court position. So I thought it was a nightmare pattern for Herkoc. And I mean, I think what I would advise him to do is, first of all, if you can just chip charge off of it, chip charge cross court. I think that's probably the best play. But if it has depth, obviously you can't get up to the net. If it has depth, I I think Hercoc maybe could have made just a better effort to just hit low backhands. Uh, I know it's not what he wants to do. I know it's not the best, but just get low and tough it out and try to do it Uh, instead of just kind of desperately hitting these awkward runaround forehands. Um, Or, you know, I, I understand. I don't think Slice is the play against Berrettini. Um, especially if you're deep in the court, I think it gives him too much time. So just a, a difficult, uh, difficult situation for her and credit for Barrettini just for having that tool. Cause it's a fantastic tool and it keeps him in the point. It lengthens rallies, but in this case, it also makes his opponent uncomfortable. And also he's got good feel with it to try to get the, uh, when he uses it as a passing shot, does a good job of getting it low, which can sometimes trouble even the best of volleyers like Herkoc. So just to summarize, returns in play was the key here. I'm sorry I don't have better stats. Don't blame me. Blame other people. It's not my fault, but I don't have better stats on it. But returns in play, absolutely dominated by Berrettini. That is where where I went wrong on my prediction, folks. I uh, probably gave a lot... uh, way too much respect to Hercotch's return and Herc's serve. And I just thought the returns in play would be a lot closer to even, and it wasn't even close. So that was the that was the the real the real big miscalculation on my part was just the serve return. Um early emotional turning point with the forehand pass by Berrettini. Herkoc shelled up went into a total kind of hole Lost all confidence on his forehand. In the third set, he started to do a lot better things. But still, he has that serve-return issue to try to overcome. And he, he, somehow, he somewhat did it because he got it to the tiebreak, made a good return. Berrettini uh, played a loose third set tiebreak. So he didn't lose in straights, but he loses in four. Berrettini, a consistently fantastic plan on second serve and an extremely effective backhand slice. So now um, if you have, um, (laughs) sorry, I just read that comment about my eyebrows. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, uh, I try. Um, if you have comments, questions, this is the time. Let's see them in that chat. Again, if you're just joining me, Novak Djokovic, of course, wins in three sets over Dennis Shapovalov without his best stuff. And Matteo Berrettini wins in four over Hubert Hercoch I'm not gonna do predictions for the final here uh, obviously again I those are things that I try to uh, I try to think about for a little bit I like to simmer uh, create an outline and I'll have that preview for you out tomorrow um. Can Novak now be considered a master of being just good enough to win all these matches? So many of his matches aren't played on his A game and he wins most of them. That's the uh certainly kind of the the story of a lot of Novak's recent Wimbledon results, right? Um and I think 2020 was was a real I think Novak's playing better in 2021, but I thought the second half of 2020 when he came back uh, from the the tour pausing, um, I just thought Djokovic really showcased his his clutch ability and his uh, guile when it comes to figuring out figuring it out. But think about what happened in um, think about this match alone. So he doesn't have the meat and potatoes, fundamental ground stroke, kind of foundation to his game, and that is hitting the ball deep, hitting the ball hard, uh, getting the timing and the footwork perfect on on his topspin forehand and his topspin backhand, and his movement plays into that, and he did not have that. So what does he go to? Well, first of all, he approaches the net every single opportunity. He serve volleys. He uses the backhand slice. Uh, he plays a little bit safer in that third set, and uses his movement, uses his defense scales back. But also, let's not ignore the clutch serving because obviously Shapovalov had a brutal time on break points here. It was uh, 1 for 11 on break points. Let's not ignore the improved Novak Djokovic serve, which was really good in this match, at least the first serve, uh, after the first set. Set 1 it wasn't great, Um, but after that... First serve was really good in terms of its effectiveness. And a lot of that was clutch serving. So in terms of Djokovic's clutchness, this is the question. He has been so dynamite, so dynamite ever since coming back, ever since winning Wimbledon 2018, really. He has been so good in the clutch. And I can think of almost zero matches that I can say, Novak didn't win the big points. Novak lost because he got tight. Novak lost because his opponent played better under pressure than him. Are, are there any has this happened since since 2018? Has this happened? It's been unbelievable and now I'm very curious to see as he moves on in this in this tournament. The pressure is only mounting and let's not ignore the pressure that Matteo Berrettini puts on everyone because of how he serves. Um, And hits his forehand. The pressure is only mounting. He's in the final. He's looking to equal that number 20. And is Djokovic going to continue to be more like less, less human, more robot when it comes to how he plays under pressure? That is the question. That is why he is, as you say, just good enough to win all these matches. Because many players, especially the younger crop, which is currently what you know currently that's what Novak's rivals are. Novak besides Nadal, Novak does not have any rivals that are you know between the ages of 27 besides Dominic team who's actually done well to beat Novak recently besides Dominic team Novak and Nadal Novak doesn't have rivals between the age 27 and 33. They're young. So what happens when they're under pressure? They're inexperienced. Their level drops. They don't like the pressure. And that is a big reason why Novak ekes out these matches so often. And in this case, three sets, the better player under pressure, three out of three times. It's not a coincidence, folks. That is not Djokovic winning by coincidence three times. That is him just being the better man under pressure. It is sustainable. Uh, this one from Philip. Gil, does uh, does Djokovic remind you of Berrettini? No, sorry. Oh, does Berrettini remind you of Raonic? What did I just say? What just left my mouth? Same height, same powers. Novak has never lost to Raonic, I think. Berrettini does remind me a little bit of Raonic. Um, I think his forehand is much more terrifying, much better. Uh, his forehand reminds me more of Del Potro. Um, he's not as mobile around the court as Del Potro and his backhand is not as good as Del Pos. He doesn't hit his forehand on the run as well as Del Potro, but he hits it just as well from the center of the court. Maybe better. Um, So, let's see. I, I think Raonic is a good call. I think his serve is like Raunic. Um His forehand... I don't know if I can compare his forehand to anyone. You know, Berrettini's forehand is pretty unique. Not a lot of guys are as good generating pace from the middle of the court from a stationary position. Berrettini is so, so good with that. So I'd say he's uh, he's got a little bit of Rounich in him for sure and a little bit of Del Potro in him with the forehand. I just don't think Raonic... Raonic's forehand is decent. It's not on Berrettini's level. I really think Berrettini, by the way... I mean, he'll have a better career than than Raonic, in my opinion. Um, Let's see. A is here. Do you think Novak causes his opponents to overthink on their shot skill? It seems... uh, it seems he shrinks the dimensions of the court by how he backs up and centralizes, and centralizes himself, coaxes errors so well. This is what he did on the second serve returns um, on, in the third set. He backed up, he took a little pace off, and he tried to go central, chapeau, backhand central to the Shapovalov backhand after backing up and putting some air under it. And yeah, that allows him to recover to the middle of the court where his his movement is super lethal. So now put yourself in the shoes of a Novak Djokovic opponent. You've just hit a second serve, and Djokovic is hitting a medium pace, kind of loopy backhand return to your backhand. And he is recovered to the middle of the court, and the ball had decent depth. And now you're trying to do damage off of that ball? You really can't. And especially against a guy like Chappo, who does not want to defend and wants to take control of the point. You're right. He is shrinking the court by hitting to the middle, close off the angles, takes take some pace off of it, um, and and just kind of use his movement behind it. The depth is also a key there. In the third set, the depth was key. It finally, finally was there because in the opening two sets, the depth was was just not even close to to what it should be usually for for Djokovic. Uh, Joseph Coney, thoughts on Chapeau arguing with the ump? He had absolutely zero argument there. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. Uh, Djokovic hit like an ace, I believe, and or a service winner, and he thought that the call came after or before his return, uh, but it, it totally didn't. Anytime someone hits a serve, almost never I have seen a player, a call come before a return. Almost never. I mean, it just doesn't really happen. So he had no argument. He was just frustrated. Who will win the WTA final? I would lean Barty. I would lean Barty. He's playing better and better every match. Don Budge is the tennis goat. (laughs) Today wasn't the A game of Djokovic. I agree. Um, Djokovic knows how to win, but Chapo showed mental strength too. Let me think about that. Um, I sort of agree. I sort of agree. I mean, think about the way he came out the gates. Uh, Really doing what he needs to do when it comes to this is how I play. This is my style, and I am going to, I am going to play brutalizing, ground stroke tennis. You know, first strike tennis. I mean, that takes some, that takes some guts, uh, for Shapovalov to take his cuts, to swing for the fences. And Berrettini will, by the way, do the do the exact same thing. I mean, at the end of the day, though, it, it's hard to, it's hard to really, you know applaud Shapovalov's mental strength in this specific match because, you know, in that category, he was outmatched and and he did not answer the bell. He had some key moments where it was the do or die. First set, 30-all, 5-4. It's a forehand that, in practice, Shapovalov would never, ever miss and he only missed it because he was tight. And uh, let me make a point also that I forgot to make when I was uh, going through the match. Here's why it's hard to argue that Shapovalov Should be proud of himself mentally. Uh, Look where his double faults came. He didn't double fault that many times. uh, But he double faults once to uh, end the first set tiebreak. Once um, to give Djokovic the break in the second set. And then another time to open the 5-all game when Djokovic broke, and then again at 30-all, at 5-all in the third set. So all of Shapovalov's double faults, and by the way, there are more that I'm missing here. All of them came at awful times, which tells me 1-all, deuce, to give Djokovic a break point. Shapovalov ended up saving those breakpoints. Uh, all of those double faults came in pressure moments. Shapo wasn't just randomly double faulting. He wasn't. Um, but... The pressure made him double fall. And and in that in that case, this is typical. This is what happens when someone is in their first major semifinal. Djokovic has been just at Wimbledon alone in ten. Uh for most players, and there will be exceptions. You know, I know some people say, Oh, what about what about Boris Becker? What about Pete Sampras? What about Rafa Nadal? There are exceptions, but that is not the rule. The rule is that you have to take baby steps and you have to experience tough losses, difficult losses before you're ready to really take that next step and come through under pressure. That is the norm. Berrettini is a one-trick pony? I don't know about that. I mean, first of all, if if you got to play to your strengths. Berrettini does not have good speed, he does not have good defense. So, he better play big serve plus forehand aggressive tennis he better wouldn't be good if he didn't do that right he's got to play to his strengths but uh give give Berrettini credit for a couple things one he's worked on his backhand it's better uh he can he can lengthen the points on his backhand now um obviously he's always had the slice but now you know he can mix in that topspin backhand uh, it was pretty important he used it in a big spot against Hercoc to get the break I, I think it was break point in the the first set where he went down the line with it actually to draw an error Um, so give him credit for that. And also he makes his returns. He puts it in the court. That's how he applies pressure. He, you can't, you know, again, this sounds very simplistic, but it's true. The model for Berrettini is you're not going to return my serve and I'm going to keep returning yours until, until you make some mistakes. And he's a good athlete for his size. You know, he's a good mover for his size. Why are we talking about... It's so funny. I mean, I you know I don't care what you guys talk about, but we're talking about if Borg should be the GOAT or not. How did that come up? <laughs> How did we start to talk about that? I did mention him, didn't I? Uh, when I was talking about uh, composure. But uh, I love it. I love it. Berrettini will win with the... This is from Medezio. Berrettini will win the forehand-to-forehand battle against Herkacz easily. You can't lose the serve-return battle if you are Herkacz because you will lose every time. That's fair. I don't really think forehand to forehand is a dynamic that's being played in that match though because, you know, Herkacz doesn't really want to play cross courts and neither does Berrettini. They're both looking to do very early damage and, you know, in Herkacz's case, he's trying to change direction. So I think the four—I agree— with like, you know, if you're comparing their forehands, but normally it's not a cross court when they play because uh, they're both very likely to break that pattern very quickly. Um, but in terms of the forehand potency, it's more about, you know, how how does Herkacz feel creating offense off of his first forehand versus Berrettini? How is Berrettini and also who can trust a weapon from the back of the court? Which, uh, it's not even close. Berrettini trusts that weapon a a lot better than Herkac. Herkac a little bit desperate to get to net. To to generate offense. You know, a little bit desperate. Uh, Gil, do you think to beat Nole, you need to have a strong backhand? Because they all get cornered in backhands and lose the battle against Nole's solid backhand. That is the case in in a lot of uh in, in a lot of Djokovic matches. There's no doubt about it. But the thing about um here's the thing. I mean, whatever your weakness is, Novak has the baseline game to find that weakness. And it doesn't matter if you're a righty or you're a lefty. So against a weaker backhand, you're absolutely correct. Djokovic is going to want to get into, again, the cross court pattern. Backhand to backhand. I'm going to be more steady. I'm going to be more solid. I'm going to hit deep. Your backhand is going to break down in the sense it's either going to miss before mine or you're going to surrender that short ball, which is going to give me a chance to attack with my forehand or attack with my backhand down the line. And against most, you know, 90% of righties on tour, Novak likes that. He fancies that. Not to mention Djokovic has a unique ability on the return of serve and on defense to get it to that backhand. But let's say he's playing a guy like Alexander Zverev. He will be just at he will just as easily say, okay, let's let's hammer that forehand, baby. Like, you know what I mean? So it's easy to say, do you need to have a strong backhand? But then, if you have a strong backhand but not a strong forehand, you run into the same problem. The answer is, I guess. Look, I don't think that there's one play style that is really incredible against you know Djokovic and and really gives him tons of trouble. But I still think the best play style against Djokovic is one that um, is one that's pretty even off of both wings and keeps the ball, kind kind of mirrors Novak and makes him come up with things. I I really do. I think that Djokovic is in his element against an aggressive player like Shapovalov against Berrettini often. Not to say that firepower can't bother him, that firepower doesn't affect him. You know, it affects everyone. If you're a tennis player, firepower helps. But I still think the toughest matchups are guys like Medvedev, guys like Roberto Bautista Agut, guys like Rafa Nadal versus a Roger Federer. Um, You know, even though Federer actually is better against him on fast courts, there's no doubt about it. So scratch that. Um, Guys who are willing to... Guys that are willing to test Djokovic's fitness and shot tolerance and kind of go toe-to-toe with it. That might have not been true in the early two thousand, in the early 2010s, by the way. Um in, back back then it might have been better to take advantage of of Djokovic's maybe more defensive tendencies and really take those big cuts, take it to Novak and try to uh, win the serve plus one kind of uh battle that, you know, Novak basically. Play your serve plus one tennis, and then also neutralize his serve. That used to be a lot easier to do uh, in the earlier 2010s. Berrettini deserves to be in the final. Michael Walker, absolutely. Uh, A little early, but would Nadal have a chance against Nole in a U.S. Open semifinal or final? I'm not going to go there yet. Um, You have to be offensive against Joker. Sometimes you do. I agree. But think about in, in this match, Djokovic didn't have to be offensive because Shapovalov didn't didn't test that aspect of Novak's game, right? Because uh, Djokovic could keep the ball deep in the court and he could find the errors with his movement and his trading. You know, Djokovic, what I said in the preview, Djokovic did not execute. Let's, Let's be clear about that. I said Djokovic needs to rush Shapovalov, that he needs to hit a little bit bigger and really try to press up, take time away and hit big. Novak didn't have the timing today to do that. So he he couldn't execute that. It's it's, um, it was more a, a a grind fest for for Novak. He had to use the peripheral parts of his game again: serve, volley, drop shot, net play, uh, and then defense and trading. And ultimately, he had to use his uh, advantage in the nerve management. Why is slice not troubling Novak like it used to earlier? I think it can. Well, let's see against Berrettini. I, I don't I don't think he's facing opponents that uh that are going to be good enough with their slice to to bother him. Yeah, aggressive players. SJ says I disagree. Team Vavrinka Djokovic. Um again, I think there used to be I think that used to be true. I think Djokovic used to be more defensive and uh you could kind of Try to just hit massive. I think the reason Vavrinka though and and team are so good against Novak is there's nowhere to hide with uh, with those two. There's just there's nowhere for for Novak to go in a baseline rally, and it's their strength and their power, in my opinion. Um, the Djokovic's depth just doesn't bother them as much. It's hard for Djokovic to uh, to counter because they're never out of position. There's a couple things there, but I mean. I don't know. I mean, Djokovic is so good against the the Berrettini-like player. The the big server, not a great mover, doesn't want to stay in the rallies, has a much better forehand than the backhand. Um, I mean, it's really not— um, it, It's just a, a model that, that Novak has owned. I mean, Team and Vavrinka are kind of hybrid players a little bit. Yeah, willing to attack off of Djokovic's deep, deep shots. That's a key, that Djokovic's depth does not— um, does not bother a teamer of Avrinka as much. But that's not because of aggressiveness. That's because of strength and power and court positioning. You know, that that's a level of heaviness that they can achieve. couple more minutes, folks. Thanks for the compliment, Krish. I mean, one thing here's a consistent thing. I think the the earlier commenter was kind of on to something. If Djokovic is in a matchup where he can't trade comfortably, backhand to backhand, and he has nowhere to target, again, I think that's like Medvedev. Um, obviously, Team and Vavrinka are two guys. Like he really doesn't want to hit backhands with them because their backhands are actually bigger and have more firepower than Novak's. Uh, that is difficult for Djokovic, for sure. So, obviously, Berrettini does not uh, qualify as one of those players. Um, all right. Well, um, it is almost time, or it is time, for me to uh, to go record three. Um, so, I am going to go do that, everyone. I'm not sure what the coverage is going to look like after the final, but, of course, I will have a preview up for you um, a little bit later on Djokovic barrettini in the 2021 wimbledon final i will give you my tactical keys and my predictions in that video Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the other uh the other channel three a tennis show it covers just djokovic and nadal i'm also on twitter if you're on twitter give me a follow at gill underscore gross is the handle and make sure uh you are subscribed to this channel Um, That is always uh, very much appreciated. I'm also available on podcast platforms. Look up Monday Match Analysis on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Again, Djokovic through to his 30th major final. He will go for number 20 on Sunday. Berrettini, his maiden slam final as he defeats Hubert Hercoc in four sets. It'll be Djokovic and Hercoc In the final on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Hope all of you do as well. And look out for that preview. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.